This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we are ranking the off-ball linebackers in the 2023 NFL Draft. Now, there are all different shapes and sizes of linebackers, right? There's the true off-ball linebackers, guys that have been off-ball players, always have been, always will. Then there's the hybrids, the safety off-ball linebacker hybrid, the off-ball on-ball linebacker hybrids. So many different guys to choose from, but we somehow give them to you in a top five form. This is also the last episode that we have on the PFF YouTube channel. So if you guys are into watching this on YouTube, not just audio only, stay tuned at the end of the episode to see how you can support the podcast at the end of that. We would really appreciate it. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me as always is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Joining you guys on a Thursday edition of the show, which means it's time to dig into another positional ranking. Early positional ranking, of course, because we don't have combine measurables. We don't have combine athletic results for a lot of these guys. We'll get into our final rankings as we get closer to draft day at the end of April. But we wanted to give you a primer here for the linebacker position, off-ball linebackers, so we're not talking pure edge rushers. Although, Connor... As we said before we recorded, some of these guys feel like they're edge rushers. They just happen to be playing in the middle of the field. But before we dig into all that, my friend, how how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I I know you and I have been watching linebackers for about 36 hours straight Straight. right now. And yes. Yeah, I I took like a nap in between. No bathroom uh, breaks. No bathroom breaks. Just coffee and and naps. So cycling. (laughs) Coffee, naps, creatine cycling right now. Listen, man, I, I t- texted somebody jokingly in the middle of this process. I said, I went into watching off-ball linebackers this week, and 20% of them should just be edge rushers. It's crazy. So yeah. we're going to talk about that a lot today. It's a fascinating class because it's very day two and day three heavy, this group, full transparency, Trevor. And this could change after the combine because some of these guys, well, one guy could could earn this. I didn't have a first-round grade right now on oh, any of these either. guys. Yeah, did not have a first-round grade on any of these guys. Uh, There's one player that could be fringe, but it's still looking like a long shot. So there's just a lot to get into today about guys that what they're best at, rushing the passer for a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you and I talked before the show that it's fascinating to watch so many college linebackers and maybe one out of every five or six of them actually play linebacker, like read their keys, let the run flow to them. A lot of guys are just running around and they're an athlete out on the field and that's mm-hmm. where the game is gone. So the amount of projecting needed in this group is very, very difficult and will make for a fascinating process. Yeah, it's decently heavy, the, that projection for sure. If you guys are new to the format of this show, what Connor and I are going to do is we're going to count down from five to one, give you our linebackers that we have uh, currently ranked um, five, four, three, two, and then our number one linebacker in the class. But Look, for the people that know these positional shows, you guys know that we're going to talk about plenty of other guys as well. We'll talk about who just missed the list, 
guys who are a little bit further down, a lot of the guys that we watched here, um, almost got 10 guys watched. So we'll be able to dig into a lot of these guys' tape, give you some evaluation on this linebacker class as a whole. But, Connor, I'll let you kick it off here, my friend. Let's get it. Who is your number five linebacker as of right now in this class? So number five, so over summer, my number five was Owen Papo. And and this guy at number five, I will say – improved a lot and he deserves a lot of credit for that because he did not make my top five over summer i was woefully underwhelmed when i watched him over summer and i did see a different player this year uh and that would be henry toa toa on alabama yeah i was you know it's cool when you watch a guy for toa toa he started two years at tennessee transfers to alabama and then he started two years at alabama so this guy Mm -hmm. has played a lot of football and Trevor, I just thought he got a lot better this year in year four. It all maybe being comfortable in that Alabama defense. There is no flash in his game. There's not an ounce of flash in his game. It's just all steady Eddie. Um, I, let the be patient, have balance, mm-hmm. let the run flow to me, mm-hmm. stop the run. Like a, the ultimate stalemate player is what I would call it. He's not rushing the passer and getting sacks. He's not lining up man-to-man coverage and getting interceptions. He's not even really making explosive plays behind the line of scrimmage. He's just this guy that is asked to do his job and goes out pretty fearlessly and, and does exactly that. So I had written, written down right away the four-year starter, two at Tennessee, two at Alabama. Flows to the run with good vision, patience, and balance. Not a lot of guys in this class do that at all, honestly. They are all so raw in that area. I wrote down that he comes to balance when breaking down to tackle. No fear of crashing into linemen out in front, but also I saw a couple of times he has a good shoulder dip to slip blocks when he needs to. Mm-hmm. Noticeably vocal in the front seven seven with teammates pre-snap. Adequate in zone coverage, using his eyes and awareness. Uh, the same applies when he was chasing down screens. I did not see the athleticism to be a guy that can hold up in man coverage. If you throw him in a scheme where you're asking this linebacker to go line up man-to-man with running backs, tight ends, whatever it may be, I don't think that's an area where he's going to succeed. I did write down, I previously said he comes to balance when breaking down a tackle. That part is good. He did miss 14 total tackles in 2022. I'd like to see that improve. It's not Mm. the coming to balance. I I don't know if it's the forceful striking or if he needs to get stronger. He's not the biggest guy in the world, too, and that's something you're going to hear on this. He's about 6'1", probably played around 225. I know he was listed at 230, so he does miss tackles. I just, he's, to me, a round three kind of guy that could be a starter at the league and do what's asked of him without that flash. So in, in that class, that earns you the number five spot for Henry Toa Toa. Well, he's number five for me as well. Um, I think he was a little bit higher for my summer scouting rankings. I can't remember. For some reason, I feel like he was three or two for me. Um, a little bit lower now, but I do still have him in my top five. I thought you nailed a lot of the positives about his game. He feels very patient. Um, feels like he's, he's where he needs to be. Now I will say he gets fooled by misdirection a little bit too much, but that's also kind of part of playing linebacker. You flow with the way that you think the line of scrimmage is going mm-hmm. to where you guy, your guy is going. And that's why play action works, right? We can't sit here and be like, Oh, emphasize play action on offense. It works. It works. It works. And then get mad on the other side of things. Right, right. It's something that it's going to happen, but I think a little too often it happened. There were a couple of games I was watching where I was like, okay, would rather you've not a bit that bad as uh, the way that you did. But then there were a couple of other instances where I thought that he read things pretty quickly. So just a little up and down in that area. But I do think he's a great communicator and he's, he is definitely mm-hmm. a centerpiece of that defense. I thought 
in the way that he plays the position, we mentioned at the top of the podcast, there's not a lot of pure linebackers in this class. And I am fascinated to see what happens in the years to come, like next year, the year after that, how many pure linebackers we get. Because I evaluate, like you said, I evaluated a lot of guys that were either just athletes that happen to be playing in the middle of the field or guys who should be edge rushers, who you have as off-ball mm-hmm. linebackers just because of the situation. Like some of the schemes that we watched, um, these teams are only getting two linebackers on the field. One of them is a true linebacker. I mean, okay, so I'm the main one I'm talking about is Arkansas, right? Drew Sanders literally used to play as an edge rusher, but Arkansas only plays with two linebackers. So they play with Drew Sanders out there, and then they play with Bumper Pool. Bumper Pool is like the true inside linebacker type, and Drew Sanders is like the one who's kind of just like flying around, attacking the pocket, yeah. uh, doing things like that. Henry Toa is one of those players who has an actual linebackers mentality. Like he is actually playing the position and approaching the position the way that you would traditionally want it to. And I'm not saying that one's better than the other. It all just depends how the defense coordinator has things schemed up. But if you are looking for a more true outside linebacker, off-ball linebacker in this class, Toto has got to be higher on the list, even if you don't love the fact that he's maybe not the greatest athlete in the world. You mentioned some missed tackles in there. I think he's got a strength issue, man. He's got to has to be. He's got there. He's got to get a lot stronger because I watched him. I watched him get taken out by just single blocks, not even doubles. Too. Yeah. You know, he would crash theme in this group. He would crash the line of scrimmage the way that you were talking about. Like, oh, he's where he needs to be. He's trying to fill his gap, but he'd go to hit his gap, and there's just no pop there. There's nothing, and he's he is engaging with the lineman, but then he's getting pushed two three yards off the ball. So I think he's got to get a lot stronger in that regard. But I do want to read this quote because when Nick Saban speaks, I do listen. He is truly one of the greatest defensive minds the game has ever seen. So this is what he had to say about Henry Toto. This is this past year. Henry's just really instinctive. He's a smart football player. He does a really good job of preparing for games. I think Pete Golding, who's the linebacker coach, does a really great job with those linebackers, understanding how they fit relative to whatever the call is. Henry's one of those guys that gets it. He's almost like a coach out there. He's a great communicator. So I think that because he makes calls up front, that it really makes the other parts of the front seven feel even more comfortable and confident in what they're doing and how we can execute together as a group. That part I do think matters. Again, because if you just want any old linebacker, like if you want to get faster in the middle, you're probably not going to pick Henry Toto because there are other linebackers in this class that will probably give you a higher athletic ceiling than he will. But if you are looking for a true off-ball mentality type of player, he's one of the few in this class who can make it happen. So I think he needs to get a little bit stronger, um, increase the the anticipation instead of the reaction. But I do love the mind that he has for the position. And like I said, if you need an off-ball linebacker in this class in the third round, I think you nailed it. That's the realm for him, and he'd be a decent pick for you. So I had him in in his own tier there at number five. Now we get into a tier where I I would pair number three and number four together. And I'll start with number four. And that's uh, where we get a little funky, where it gets a little weird. Guys Mm -hmm. that are just not true off-ball linebackers, but not true pass rushers. And uh, that would be Nick Herbig. For me, from Wisconsin. I didn't watch Herbig. I didn't watch him yet. You have to, because... Okay. Okay. Really, if he wasn't listed at 6'2", 230, 
I it, say he was 6'3, 240. Mm-hmm. There's just no way you you wouldn't call him an edge, honestly. And I, I have a mm-hmm. feeling when I get to the end of this draft and do evaluate and stack everybody, I might even put him in the edge group. I, I really need to talk to some people and see how teams are, are going to look to play him because he had a 90.9 pass rush grade in our system. I mean, an elite pass rush grade. It's his best strength. He finished 2022 with an absurd 23.4% win rate. Um, and that's oh. on 100, 184 pass rush snaps. That's a lot of pass rush snaps for an outside linebacker. Like he's getting opportunities. He had 11 sacks, six more quarterback hits, and 16 pressures in those snaps. He started 31 games in three seasons at Wisconsin. When you count the COVID year being the first one, that's an incredible number. He He's basically played every game since he's got there. He has 20 sacks over his last two seasons. Uh, he's a stand-up rusher from wide alignments. I mean, that's mm. what he is. I, I get it. He's small for your traditional pass rusher. He's even small-ish for a stand-up rusher. I don't know if he's going to come in at 6'2". When a guy's list, I mean, we'll see. Maybe maybe he's he does come right in at 6'2". Maybe he bulks up and, and weighs 235, 240. Um, he plays a violent brand of football. He's got a very quick first step off the snap and he can time the snap as well. There's a couple of times where I caught him watching the center and actually getting his step before the ball is fully snapped, which is absolutely legal. He's got that kind of timing. He can win with speed to the outside and turn the corner. Uh, He does an excellent job of swatting and chopping offensive linemen's hands away. There are plays where he will just run a hundred miles an hour across the field to chase down quarterbacks when you watch him against the run, he has that pass rusher mentality against the run still where he's very aggressive, almost over-aggressive. He will take chances. Sometimes it leads to big plays in the backfield. Sometimes he just takes himself completely out of plays. So this is a fascinating player that, quite honestly, I liked him just as much as my number three, which we'll get to in a second. Like This is, this is a 3A and 3B with no four or 4A and 4B with no three. I, I would write them up exactly the same. I think that despite him having some measurable questions, if you evaluate Mm -hmm. him as an edge, he's just a really, really good player. He's got polish. He's got a plan. He plays as hard as anybody I've watched in this class. Um, Obviously pedigree there. His, his brother was a starting guard for the jets this year. They're from Hawaii. Um, He was a big, yeah. So, and, and his brother, Nate, who plays guard, Absolutely plays with an edge. You can see it. Nick's a Nick's a way better player coming out into the draft. It's he's really good, Trevor. And it's just truly kind of confusing what he's going to be at the next level. But I kept coming back to he's just such a good football player. And I'm so desperate for good linebackers in this draft that I had to have him in the top four. Honestly, could have easily, like I said, been number three. And it maybe would even be a top five edge if you put him in that group as well. So he's doing the Zach Bond thing, right? Yes. Wisconsin, I mean, we've been doing the draft long enough, you and I, that we've seen this before. Right. This isn't this isn't rare territory for us. Because Zach Bond was that kind of guy where he was – so Zach Bond was 6'2", 238 at the Combine. Yeah, probably and played 230. They wanted him to be an off-ball linebacker. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look it up right now what Bond's – position splits have been uh okay this past year they played him at edge they played him right outside linebacker left outside linebacker 
But I don't think that was always the case, was it? No, because here he was a box player. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. They had him as a they had him as an inside linebacker in 2021. Okay, so this is what I thought. They all right, so they had him at edge, then they had him at off ball, then they had him back at edge. Yeah, yeah I thought they moved him around a lot. He's been all over the place, but his uh, the reason why I bring that up is because his best tape at Wisconsin was at edge. Like mm-hmm. he he was an edge rusher. And when he got drafted, I was like, he's an edge. Just like let him be an edge rusher. Don't do this hybrid yep. off ball linebacker thing. Just That's let him ha- be an edge big. rusher. And um I just don't think they wanted to buy into it. And I feel like Bond's gotten a little lost in the shuffle, even when he's been on the edge. But uh, yeah. maybe maybe some Saints fans can can tell me about that and clear that up because I'm, I'm not going to pretend to watch every Zach Bond snap. But it seems like the same thing as a Zach Bond situation where the guy's best tape is actually as an edge rusher. But we've got him here in the off-ball linebacker class because maybe that's where they think he's going to get drafted. I, think I mean, I think it's a little bit a dangerous. Sta- yeah, this dude's a stand-up rusher. Uh, he's he's a better pass rusher, I think, than Bond was. Uh, I really do. I think that pretty sure Bond will ultimately have better measurables. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you ju- just start with the Iowa game. He he just he terrorized both tackles, terrorized them. Okay, uh, it was actually like you started to sit there and go, "This is." He's starting to embarrass people out here. That's the kind of game he had against Iowa. It was one of the better games I've seen for a prospect uh, as a pass rusher this year. I liked Bond. I really did as an edge rusher. I, I have to look company. where I had him. I'm shocked at how under how the lack of production has been. I didn't yeah, think I know. this. Yeah, me too. So who do you number, got for number four for me? I have Dorian Williams from Tulane at number at number four. <laughs> the last guy I watched. Okay, so I don't know what your thoughts are on him. I'll get him in a second, but yep. um, he's played in 48 games over the last four years. Six foot two, 230 pounds. He actually plays a little bit of linebacker the way that he, he, okay. You know how a couple of these guys that we're going to talk about, like Herbig's an example. I already brought up Drew Sanders. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of other players that didn't make my top five. That have They're more edge rushers that like kind of play off ball linebacker. This is for Dorian Williams. I think it's flipped. I think he's an off ball <laughs> linebacker that also can rush the passer. Like, I think he's the appropriate ratio of what you would want because in a class that I was begging for somebody other than Trent Simpson to look twitched up. Like somebody, please just give me some actual athleticism. Orion Williams did like, he's yep. a twitched up no player, doubt. man. He'll be, I mean, he'll get to the quarterback through the a gap, the B gap off the edge. I like the athleticism that he has in coverage. I watched a play. God, what game was this? I think it was the Memphis game. I was watching where he was the linebacker. He was, he was carrying the linebacker all the way as a Tampa two. Mike, all the way up the middle of the seam, stayed with him the whole time, got the forced incompletion, got the batted down pass. And there are times when he's a little bit late to recognize exactly where the ball is going. You know, again, he it's unfortunately a common theme in this class. Reaction instead of anticipation. And I think that that needs to get a little bit better. But man, of the guys that I would like to draft, you know, third round, something like that try to really hone in on that off ball skill, make the most out of that athleticism. Give me Dorian Williams. I feel like he's got a pretty damn high ceiling because of that. So I watched, I watched two games of him. I only got two in, but cause he was actually the last guy that I watched, but of those two games, I really liked what I saw. So very, very curious to see what his results are. When we get to Indianapolis for the combine excited to get to more of his tape, because 
again, in a group that I felt I was just starving for some sort of athletic playmakers. Cause I watched a lot of these guys and I'm like, mm. you're almost getting out athleted at the college level, which means it ain't going to get any easier for you when you get into the pros. Dorian Williams to me was one of the best athletes on the field in certainly the two games that I watched of him. So that gives me hope. Well, it's lesser competition, but that gives me hope that when he makes it to the next level, he's not going to get totally lost in the shuffle athletically. So I, I, I liked him a good amount, man. I, I liked him enough to have him at LB4 ahead of a guy who I think is a steady Eddie, like to take your words in, in to'o to'o. He just gives you a bigger swing of the bat, a little bit of a higher ceiling for an off-ball linebacker. So I was very intrigued, and I got him at number four. His tape and profile is definitely, um, is definitely good, honestly. He's not the biggest guy, but he's big enough. He is pretty consistent with tape. My biggest concern with him is you watch all this good film, and then you watch him against Kansas State, a step up in competition, mm-hmm. and he has his worst game against the run. Uh, yeah, and I did I'm watch looking the, at it. the Kansas State game was the other game that I watched, actually. And I'm like, man, he, he's not like bad out here, but he's getting bullied by a better unit compared to what he's used to playing. So I looked at, and number one, he, he will have a role in the NFL because he can cover. He's a good athlete. Like you mm-hmm. said, Trevor, you were excited to just see some athleticism at the position. He could run with people. He had two interceptions. He had good ball production. Um, I think the quarterback rating when targeted was like 65. Um, he had, he had so, one of the lowest completion percentages for all the linebackers that I watched in coverage. Yeah, he, he's a good he's a good player in coverage. You'd like to see him just, it'll the step up will be a little bit of an adjustment for him, but he got the senior bowl invite. So I'm glad you got him in there. I, I did get to watch him and um, he would be in my top 10 if I did a top 10. So number three for me that I would group at number four was Drew Sanders, who you brought up from Arkansas. This is kind of a fascinating player because he transfers from Alabama to Arkansas. He's six five, two thirty-two. Just traits galore. Can almost he, host the podcast. Just needs a little bit more weight. He a little, is a more weight. One tub of mass gainer yeah. away from, from potentially being co-host number three. Right. We'll say that. Yeah. Former this is a former number one recruit in the entire state of Texas. Like Drew Sanders isn't some it's funny how guys get painted, right? Drew Sanders isn't some story where it's like Man, wasn't good enough at Alabama, transfers, and is an instant star. This guy was supposed to be like a dude for Mm -hmm. Alabama. Doesn't work out. After being a massive recruit, uh, obviously Arkansas lands him in the portal, and he's wildly productive right away. In 2022, he played 102 snaps on the D-line and 665 at linebacker, really standing up. They move him all over. I think you kind of got into that with him. The reason Sanders will be drafted early and could go as early as round one, truly, even though he he doesn't, he's to me that's not a round one player right now. He's not. I would. But I would why, take round one. No, why he could go round one? He has traits. He has burst. He has length. He's got some quicks. He's got and he uses that. I mean, there, he he has an impressive arm over in that pass rush arsenal. That when you're six foot five and bursty. You can do that consistently. You can hit that move. I, where I got a little, uh, you know, cold on him, he's really still trying to improve against the downhill running game. He he can't stack and shed consistently right now, Trevor. He can't. No. And he's 6'5", so naturally he's playing high. And when guys get under his pads, he doesn't, he really can't counter. He's really not countering at all. 
So that's why I look at him, and I don't really think he's a, a linebacker. This goes back to the Herbig situation where he's a stand-up edge rusher right now. I did. I will say he got more confident against the run as the season went on. I started with his early tape and went kind of downwards because he's a transfer from Alabama. This is a thrown-into-the-fire situation. I wanted to give him that, hey, how much better did you get from September all the way to November situation? He did get more confident, mm-hmm. but he's also not a good tackler at all. At all. He missed 16 total tackles this year. He does not strike with force or power when tackling. He just bounces off guys. He doesn't, when you watch, I, I want to use some guys that really do. Well, we'll get into them in a, in a bit, but he doesn't strike guys where you're like, oh, like that, that's a body blow to the running back. He bounces off guys a lot. So mm-hmm. this is a traits player. He has plus sideline speed when in run and chase situations. He can contain quarterbacks. He, he got Bryce Young on a run and chase situation of the sideline. That was one of the better plays I saw from him. My thing with him, Trevor, if you're taking him early, you better have a scheme that lets him play freely and capitalize on those traits and yeah, allow him to rush and not the, think. Yeah, but the instincts aren't good enough to do that. You know, I, I agree. Like I, you, like you do that. You do that with Micah Parsons, right? You do that with Parsons because Parsons can play both, and he's got enough instincts to be able to do that. But. I, it's it, we just I, I I don't mean to I didn't mean to, to is he number three for you yeah he's three for me. okay so that's this is good no please interject yeah okay so so he's he's also three for me and yet you get into that you get into that tough experiment where I think everybody likes to talk about versatility on defense right we all love to talk about the chess piece players the mm-hmm. Isaiah Simmons right the guys that can be that safety linebacker hybrid the uh nickel corner linebacker hybrid the Kyle Hamilton edge, the edge rusher right the edge rusher linebacker kind of hybrid that one's a little bit more streamlined than the other ones but you know what I'm saying the problem is that you can't get homeless right you can't you can't mm-hmm. not have a home base position unless you are just stupid athletic unless you were just crazy athletic because you can't look at Drew Sanders and say, yeah, uh, just let him, you know, freelance like Micah Parsons does, because that's, 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 that's asinine. That's crazy. The only reason why it really works for Micah Parsons is because he's Micah freaking Parsons. And there's one of them. That's it. For Sanders. I'm worried because he doesn't have the instincts. He doesn't have the like Uber athleticism. He weighs about 230, but a lot of that is height, right? You look at his body and you go, okay, this guy's actually pretty lean. So a lot of that 230 mm-hmm. is height. I so, so too. He could play you, 250. That's what I'm saying. Like, are you stacking more weight on him? You getting him closer to 240, 245. But then at that point, if you're putting him at 245, again, are you making him an edge rusher? I don't want to be too hard on Sanders, who is also my, my number three here, because I read that he played linebacker and quarterback in high school, uh, which is pretty crazy <laughs> wasn't he a tight end recruit too like he had to pick was he was he a tight end recruit i think he had to pick either i want to make sure i'm not mixing him up with somebody i didn't but i'm, I don't pre- remember I'm pretty that. sure i'm pretty sure he had to choose what side of the ball to focus on no because on... he played because he played yeah. quarterback in high school high in arkansas's page for him it says high school one of the nation's top all-around athletes and a prototypical linebacker or tight end uh, chose to focus on the defensive side of the football at Alabama. Interesting. Well, oh, I mean, maybe. Okay, so maybe he pl- he 
he might have still played quarterback in high school because I did read that he played quarterback in high but school. But was recruit like viewed if he was going to stay knew on offense. He wasn't going to be end. yeah like a, lot a of quarterbacks. Yeah, That's a lot of big quarterbacks in high school do go that route. So he goes to Bama, right? Was a five star recruit. Goes to Bama, basically only plays special teams in his first year. So he was just playing special teams when he was there, and then the reason why he played his sophomore year is because um, oh, who was it that got hurt? Um, was it Christian Harris? Probably somebody got hurt and he came in and basically exclusively played edge rusher. Cause I got the, I got the snap counts right here. <laughs> this is funny. In 2020, his first year in college at Alabama, he played two total snaps in the box as an off ball linebacker in 2021, his second year at Alabama, he played three total snaps as an off-ball linebacker. You get one more this year. This play, this this past year at Arkansas, he played 731 yeah. snaps at off-ball linebacker. So he was playing off-ball for the first time since high school. So uh, there is a lot of growth that could be happening here because he is a really nice athlete. One of the notes I have is that when they ask him to be an edge rusher, when they line him up as an edge rusher or just tell him to go attack the pocket, uh, he wins almost immediately. Like he knows exactly what he's doing as a pass rusher. But it's just the linebacker instincts, I think how he moves in coverage, the feel for passing off routes, that's definitely not there yet with him. Could it get there at some point? Maybe. But are you taking that kind of a guy in the first round? I probably would not. He, I, I, he did not get a first-round grade for me. If you were a team that no, was desperate either. for a linebacker, even in that situation, I'm, I'm not going to force it. He's a guy who I think is an intriguing prospect on day two, um, and that's that's where I've got him at, at three in this class. Yep, me too. I didn't have a first-round grade on, on anyone, but uh, specifically – I, I didn't have him as a top two linebacker in this in this class. I mean, there's just a lot of questions there. Like we said, there's a lot of projecting that needs to be done, which right. leads me to number two, which ironically was also my number two over summer. And it's funny to say this about number two, but this is the best linebacker in the draft as it stands today. Mm-hmm. And that's Jack Campbell. I don't think Jack Campbell has the biggest ceiling. I don't think Jack Campbell, um, you know, obviously will test like number one, and and once again, Jack, you can make the argument Jack Campbell, though, should be number one. It's very, one and two, I kind of looked at it three and four in terms of tiers. Dep- depends. depends. Are you, do you need a linebacker to win the Super Bowl next year? Because if so, then you probably have to pick Jack Campbell and plug and play. Are you picking a linebacker to rebuild? Then you're probably going to pick the guy that we both have at number that's one. A, that's a really good way to put it. I mean, Campbell's a great player. I want to make that very mm-hmm. clear because I don't I don't know why more people aren't talking about him as a great player because he's every bit of a great player. He's six foot five, two hundred forty six pounds. He graded out with a ninety one point eight defensive grade. So that's basically elite. telling you in elite every aspect of his game, coverage, run defense. He's not like these other guys where they're like, "Hey, buddy, like here's your dessert. You get to rush the passer the second <laughs> half of the game." That's not that's not Iowa football. That's not no, what he was asked to do. No, no, no. And he's a coal miner, baby. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. So it comes out, face is just covered, covered, and, and he just, man, he just gets it done. This is a permanent team captain. Here's my uh, some of my summer notes mixed with the notes this year because it didn't change. It really didn't change. He 
he was excellent. Number one, he won the Buckus Award this year, he, and he deserved every bit of it. He finished 2022 this season, 59 tackles, 32 solo stops, seven tackles for a loss, one sack, two picks, uh, and he missed 11 total tackles. I don't really think those numbers do the justice of the, the kind of season this guy had. I, what I wrote down after that to really you know emphasize what he did, it's impossible to find the bad tape of Jack Campbell this year. There's not, He doesn't have a bad game. You could watch every single game, right? And he might have a off play, or maybe a couple series. He does not have a bad game in my eyes, and he is such a sound, instinctual kind of player. He can stack and shed, fire into the ball carrier. He's six five, two hundred and forty six pounds. When he hits, he hits with force, and he can run sideline to sideline. I don't think he's the fastest guy. I think the biggest question is the same question we had him about him over the summer. Mm-hmm. What is he going to run? And, and that's what's going to carry with him all the way into the combine is that long speed. But when you go back to those instincts, he had a play against Ohio State this year that was the perfect coverage play that he's dropping and using his eyes and turning his body the whole way. And it's just a beautiful interception that goes back to how smart of a player he is and how polished of a player he is. And when you just look at him against the run, he could throw that big body around in the front seven, right up on the defensive line. He knows how to hit his gaps. He knows how to read his keys. Really, really good football player. And that is something that I've found it very hard to say about this draft class as a whole of, what if I put this man on an NFL field today? Would they hold up? And I'm confident that Jack Campbell can. I agree with you completely, man. I agree with you you 100%. The weaknesses in his scouting report, it it really just kind of revolves around one thing. Middling athleticism. Sure. I mean, and and that's about it. I mean, he he is just not a top-tier athlete. But the rest of his tape for a linebacker is fun as hell. I have have in, in part of my blurb here, quote, just really loves being a linebacker. He yes, does. he does. He just yes. loves he, stereotypical he, he, linebacker. He seems like he just loves playing the position. He's making the calls in the middle. He's making the adjustment. He's a captain, like you said. He's uh, there were there were a couple of plays that I was watching that I devoted a decent amount of time to where something went wrong, and the Ohio State game is one of them. There was an example where Ohio State was running split zone, and Campbell fires. Like he is shot out of a cannon to one of the gaps going going towards the strong side where the offensive line is flowing, and the running back ends up cutting it back and having a big gap up the middle going all the way through. And it was initially exactly where Campbell was standing to start the play. And I was like, did he miss that? I, I was like, that would be that would be probably the most egregious miss that I have seen from him. And I go back and I rewind it a bunch of times, bunch of times, bunch of times. No. He was exactly where he needed to be, and it was somebody else who should have filled at that spot, actually took a really bad pursuit angle to try to get around um, one of the offensive linemen. It leaves the hole in the middle wide open. Campbell was doing exactly what he was supposed to do, as he is so often throughout his tape. Gap discipline, uh, run fits are a full category that I have in my scout- in my numerical scouting report when it comes out to kind of like spitting out what be it would be a grade for me. Um, and he graded very, very well in it just because it feels like this guy was never out of place. He understands how playing linebacker works, man. If you can get to the outside and you can you can force a guy to get back inside where you got help, he often does it. He attacks the line of scrimmage uh, with violence. 
He is making sure that he can get into offensive linemen's chest, into their face, make sure that he's taking up a block, not that he's trying to get cute. Because that's the problem, too. A lot of these guys, a lot of these speed guys, they're trying to get cute about it, right? They're pass rushers first when they attack the line of scrimmage. And for a handful of these linebackers, they're just trying to, like, scoot around the edge, scoot around the the, the shoulder. Go into his chest. Like, when you know that's what you got to do, go into his chest. That's what I want to see. And not enough linebackers did that in that class. No. Jack Campbell does. Jack Campbell does the dirty work, and he does the playmaking work. Uh, There are a handful of pursuit plays where, look, are guys who are faster at the NFL level maybe going to be able to outrun him? Yeah, and again, that's, that's part of his scouting report. That's just the truth about it. But the way that he recognizes plays, the way that he's already going to where the ball is going, the pursuit angles that he has... Um, I just think I, I just love the way that he approaches the position. When it comes to true off-ball linebackers, he's he's a good one. He's a good one. I wish he was faster. I wish he was a little bit more athletic, but it kind of is what it is. I still think he's going to be a really solid day two pick. Man, it's that's exactly it. It's it's a situation where like he's not going to be everybody's favorite mock draftable web. He's not going to have ten sacks a year. He's not going to be the guy getting these pick six splash plays. But when you look at the most consistent down-by-down player that will open things up for other guys around him, it's Jack Campbell. So I loved him, and I honestly think he would be my current super dark horse, like super, super dark horse for defensive rookie of the year next year. Mm, because just because you think he's going to play play well right away? He'll play away. right away, and he'll have a ton of tackles, and you know, Jalen Carter should be the runaway favorite with Will Anderson. I totally get all that. But if you're just mm-hmm. looking for somebody that's odds are on the moon, like plus 5,000 and you sprinkle five or 10 bucks on him, I think he will be a plug and play level kind of player. And the fact that he probably won't go till the second round gives him an even better shot to go to a team that is playing meaningful football for a while. So, which brings me to number one, Trevor, mm-hmm. who like Jack Campbell being number two over the summer, number one was number one over the summer. And it's Trenton Simpson from Clemson. And yep. honestly, you watch the Clemson defenders. I thought Brzee had a down year from what we expected. I thought Miles Murphy was okay. And while Simpson's grade, I mean, we have a defensive grade on him at 69.3. It doesn't have this jaw-dropping stats. I still love him on film, what he can do. Number one, he's about 6'3", 230. They stick his ass a lot. It felt like a lot more this year right in the middle of the field and doesn't get a ton yeah. of help, yeah. right? You notice that too? It was just kind of like, hey, man, you're out there. Are you saying this in is... coverage? Are you saying up, up the middle of the defensive line? No, like where his alignment is. He's like playing Mike. It felt like oh. he was an over an overhang player a ton when I watched him over summer. Yes. I saw him as a true middle linebacker. On the games I watched more this year, I will actually write down the numbers Let's... when I get ready for the draft. Let's check. But... I'd be stats. actually very curious, especially uh-huh. against especially against Notre Dame. I was like, oh, they are really like really putting him right in the thick of it. Even Let's for a smaller see. linebacker, he is playing a a spot that you would expect from a Jack Campbell kind of player that can bump, that could thump. I'm very curious to actually see the numbers. Bump the thump, baby. Uh he played. Let's see. Three. No, he played 424 snaps as a box defender this year. Okay. Only played 219 last year because there, he played I, Okay. because he played 88 snaps in the slot this yeah. year. 
and he played 239 last year. So you are vindicated. Correct. Okay. When the eyes match the analytics, folks, you can blend them together. Despite one side of the internet telling you, you don't need to watch the games. Just look at the numbers. And the other side telling you that math is for nerds. You can blend them together and become a semi-competent human being. Like I like to believe myself. And become ungovernable. So, (laughs) I mean, he's such a unique player in a sense that I think he can be a huge boost in man coverage against tight ends, running backs, big slot targets, inline tight ends. Mm. He can run this with these dangerous tight ends in the NFL right now. What you want, I think, honestly, one of the most impressive aspects of his game that I watch when you're trying to translate what he's going to be dealing with at the NFL level is spying in the middle of the field and trying to contain these athletic quarterbacks. He can run and pressure and contain the Josh Allens of the world, the Mm -hmm. Lamar Jacksons of the world, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. These are the guys you need to find today you need to find these guys that can run sideline to sideline a a couple i have heard teams are actually evaluating or or trying to project what he could do with more pass rush opportunities they do think he could be somebody that could be more productive when given opportunities to rush off the edge Mm -hmm. and also play off ball linebacker so i I don't think this scheme did him a ton of favors production and grade wise but he's a great athlete. He plays a tenacious brand of football. We talked about it over the summer. He's the son of a decorated U.S. Army Ranger that served 17 overseas tours. And he has this no-nonsense, tough guy mentality on the field that translates. I love the tape. I love the athletic profile of the player. I think he's going to have a huge combine. And I think there's a defensive staff out there. That is, you you nailed it. The chess piece and Swiss Army knife, those things can be overused with him. Mm-hmm. I genuinely think this is a player that can do anything at an above average level. He, if there's a linebacker to bet on in this class, it's, it's Trent Simpson. Like, if you ask me if there's a linebacker that should go in the first round, it would be Trent Simpson. I didn't have a first round grade on him just because. Same. I think, I think the. I think the coverage success is based more on his athleticism than it was coverage instincts i don't think the instincts are terrible but i I thought that he was again reacting more than he was anticipating and his athleticism was so good especially against tight ends that he was often able to recover the way that you need to to get your hands on some footballs and and uh force really small throwing windows so i think that's kind of where it came from i also think that he gets bullied by blockers you know unless he's really getting a running start unless he's timing it really well unless he's like hitting a gap immediately at the snap if if an offensive lineman gets him within the shoulders like he's he's getting pushed back pretty far so he wasn't that kind of a player like a jack campbell who's just going to go reckless advantage straight india and really fill the fill the run and take it the blocker but that's not really what he is and that's and that shouldn't be what you were drafting him to be you know you want him you want him next to a more traditional between the tackles linebacker and it's i mean it's fun to have his tape next to jeremiah trotter juniors who i i feel i obviously like haven't studied him a ton but from watching Brzee, from watching Simpson, from watching Murphy, like I think Jeremiah Tribe Jr. is going to be a really damn good off-ball linebacker in next year's class. And so uh, maybe we'll look back on this tape and have both of those guys there and kind of uh, look at that situation and how good it was for Clemson in the middle of that defense. But yeah, I just the athleticism is there in so many different ways. It's it's the ability to cover. He can flip the hips very well. He can accelerate extremely well. The pursuit 
speed is is best in this class without a doubt. Um, he can attack the line of scrimmage. They use him in A-gap blitzes a lot. They'll use him as an edge rusher, like you mentioned. Uh, very curious to see if the NFL would give him more chances about that. But he is, you know, of those guys that we started the podcast talking about where it's like, okay, if you're going to stick an athlete in the middle and just kind of let him be an athlete, this is the guy that you would want to do that. Like not and, and, and not Far in the away. not in not in the Micah Parsons role. Like I'm not saying that is like an off ball on ball edge kind of hybrid roaming player. More of a true off ball that you could say, all right, you're going to play in a lot of space. You know, you're going to you know cover tight ends or you're going to just cover a lot of ground this way. You, yeah. I love that you mentioned spying the quarterback because in a day and age where that is coming more becoming more and more paramount, that's what makes me think somebody could convince themselves to draft Trenton Simpson in the first round. Absolutely. Because they they could go, okay, look at all this potential, and maybe we will have this guy that could neutralize the Josh Allens, the Jalen Hurts, the whoever it is, who's the guys who are really great at picking up um, extra yards and first downs with their legs. So I agree with you. He's my number one linebacker as well. If you're going to bet on any linebacker in this class, I feel like it's got to be Simpson. I think so. I just – Man, I go back to him. I said it over summer. I just watch him, and he really reminded me of Daryl Washington, who was a great player under Todd Bowles in Arizona. Unfortunately, got himself into a ton of you know different problems, suspensions in the league. But that's what I saw in Trenton Simpson right away, and I, I kind of saw it again when I watch him this year, and he'll be 21 on draft night. So this is definitely a player that is on the younger side in this linebacker class. You have a lot of uh, you know multi-year player, or should I say, senior level players in this group whether mm-hmm. it's you know campbell's a senior toa is a senior i guess that kind of brings us trevor to the next point the guys that are outside the top five that we mm-hmm. got to watch that um you know are still going to get drafted of course we didn't think the group this group was that bad but you know for me i i know we each had one um i did get to watch Dorian Williams, I had him outside my top five, but definitely in my top ten, a, a a good player. There's no doubt about that. And then who did I? Oh, you're gonna watch Herbig. Yeah. Who are a couple? I feel like we're both gonna align on this one. Did you watch Demarvian Overshown? Yeah, I did. I have him at six. I, okay, he's a, he's a six for me. Absolutely, I had yeah. him at six as well, and I was really kind of frustrated that I I couldn't get him at five, but I just I. I just like Toto a little better, but I thought Overshone had really good tape this year. Really, really good tape this year. And he he's an interesting player because he's a, you know, a six foot four lankier kind of guy, mm-hmm. but I thought he was a tough guy in the middle of the field. Yeah. I, I just thought he was an all around good player. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't, I think the reason why I was kind of cool on him and why he, I didn't end up having him over Toto is because I just didn't really see a trump card in Overshone's game. And Same. It, like he's he's uniquely built and you could put him in a lot of different situations and that's that's a great like that's a great depth player to have in your defense like you, you definitely want to draft a player like Marvin yep. Overshone but played special teams kickoff coverage unit yeah 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 he definitely did and maybe yep. he could be a starting linebacker in the league I'm not saying that he can't but when I looked at it the reason why it's I think it's the same reason as you the reason why I went with Toto over him is because when it comes to like true off ball linebacker responsibilities I felt like Toto had a better approach to it just mindset to it like him and jack campbell i feel like we're just above the rest of the group as guys that played that true off-ball linebacker style so maybe i'm valuing that a little bit too much for toto specifically i don't think i'm valuing it too much when it comes to jack campbell but you could you could convince me to flip over shown and and 
um Toronto, oh, they're, they're just they're just totally different players so i ended up having him at number six i got ivan pace in there as well um yep. ivan pace jr from cincinnati he's just a, a big bowling ball pass rusher man elite pass yep. rusher this past year just send him straight at the line of scrimmage man get him in on those bigger packages for uh for three linebacker looks and just let him attack the line of scrimmage like that's that's all you got to do in the nfl that is a streamlined role of what he is going to be for sure Absolutely. He's uh, the fire hydrant kind of of this crew. Yes. And he's it's his usage at Cincinnati was truly hilarious, but effective. And he did look good down in Mobile. Obviously, there's a ton of guys in this class that'll be included in the full preview. Um, You know, a a fascinating guy is is Carlton uh, Marshall from Troy, who came in at five foot seven and three quarters at the senior bowl. But oh, right. is yeah. the all-time FBS tackles leader and was a walk-on at Troy. Like this dude, every time he's doubted, finds a way. So it'd be fascinating if we have a five foot seven linebacker yeah. make make an NFL roster. It's just an interesting group. We have to doubt him then. We have to doubt we him. We do. We need to we need to make a, a hater video, unfortunately, for him. And then he could he could retweet it when he makes a 53-man roster. Um I know people are just going to ask, so I oh, think we should. One I forgot. Yeah, go ahead. Well, two. I know where you're going. Let's do it. So pe- people are going to ask us about Noah Sewell from Oregon. Of course they are. People, are, people was... are definitely going to ask when about Noah Sewell. When we logged on, when we logged on, it was the first thing we talked about. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. No, you know. You know, you, ex- you, if anything, you know. Sewell is so limited laterally. Uh, he just he's gonna miss he misses so many tackles now he's gonna miss so many tackles in the nfl and i don't really know what you do with him sitting at 250 like if you don't have him just blitzing at the line of scrimmage every time he's like i said he can't move well enough in coverage he can't flip his hips he can't put his foot in the ground and change direction so you can't really let him be a coverage guy even a zone coverage guy i just because of the limited athletic ability and then and just even when he got in the backfield, there were a couple of times where he would win clean up the middle. A gap, B gap, didn't matter. He'd shoot the gap well. He'd get into the right into the quarterback. These are quarterbacks we're talking about. I'm not even talking about like the good dual threat quarterbacks. And they would simply like move to the left. And 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 Sewell like could not get his arms on it. So I was disappointed, man. I was, I was too. Re- I was disappointed in Noah Sewell. And that's and that's a and that's a bummer because I want to like him, but I don't know. I just, we're, I'm going to watch a couple more games of him, but I don't think it's going to look that different. So I don't even, I don't even know where you draft him. Like he's a day three player to me. I thought so too. Uh, I wrote down the last note I wrote is that he just, if he wants to make it in the league, he has to convert to be a situational pass rusher. It's his only sure. Yeah. I just thought the off ball linebacker film was that rough that, and, and to be fair, he has flashes as a blitzer and a pass rusher. Yeah, he's and powerful because he's sitting there at 250, he, you know. He's very powerful. He plays hard. Uh, and you hear all those things and go, okay, he could probably play special teams, especially kick coverage units. And mm-hmm. But it, it was disappointing this year. There's no way around it because we talked a lot about him over the summer. A guy I did like that was left out of my top five and he mm-hmm. was number five for me over the summer in a very situational role is still Owen Papo. Owen Papo nicknamed the freak six one two twenty five. He had a 77.6 coverage grade this year, Trevor. He could very well run 
a four, four or under he's got, I mean, his straight line speed is insane. I didn't think his lateral agility was, was that, but his straight line speed is very good. He was coming off the ankle surgery in 2021. So you, you got to give him a little time. I wrote when he sees it, he could just detonate plays. I mean, when he, but he's another guy that we, we talked about. A lot of these guys are playing linebacker and a lot of them are guessing or getting lost in the traffic or really struggling to diagnose the run. Mm-hmm. And, and I wrote that he guesses because most of the, he's a middleweight fighter in a heavyweight arena. I, I mean, he's giving up a lot wow. of pounds bars bars you like that. Yeah. He's given up a lot of pounds in a lot of his matchups, but my final note was I he's he could be a really good dimebacker that gives you athleticism in the middle of the field for those coverage situations, be a special teamer. Here's my like not so serious but in a sicko way, I would if I was a GM I'd be inquiring on this. If I drafted him to be a special teamer and a dimebacker, I think this dude can be a really good fullback at the next level. I really uh... do. He's 6'1", 225, and he could legitimately run in the four threes. I'm just saying if you're a team that you don't want to carry a roster, a uh, fullback on your 53-man roster, which a lot of teams don't, but you like to sprinkle it in four or five times a game, I think this guy could do it. Okay. I love it. I love it. That's some that's some mad scientist, mad Sicko. shit, and I absolutely yeah. love it. Let us know what you guys thought of our linebacker rankings. We know that there are plenty of linebackers around the country who are fan favorites for a lot of people. So we would especially love to hear from you on this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, let us know in the YouTube comments. Uh, if you want, if you're audio only, you can hit us up on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey at Connor J Rogers. You can do the same thing on Instagram. If that's your main social media means of communication. Um, I'm an idiot. And I forgot to bring this up at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I'm just as guilty. Well, all right, so we're switching to our new so we're switching to a new channel. We're switching to a new channel. We're not going to be on the PFF channel anymore. We are getting our own channel. It is going to be a lot of fun. If you guys just love this podcast, it's going to be uh, kind of like what Connor said in 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 the last episode at the end of last episode. Like it's going to give us the opportunity to do a lot more clips from the show, yeah. do a lot more shorts from the show, some extra content for you guys. Believe the channel is just youtube.com backslash nfl stock exchange that's it i think we secured it I can, if you I can, search I can on triple youtube check right now our name i'm gonna do the same because you would think we would have done this already no why would i don't we even do know if the show we're doing right now is up there it could be it could not be it could be on the pff channel i don't know i don't look for our content do you no so no okay uh, so you have to hit you have to do at so it's youtube.com okay. backslash at NFL stock exchange. And I think that gets you unless unless I'm a fool. No, I think you're good. I think people will find us. We might have to like link bomb our PFF YouTube video comments like the crypto spam wait, does. Wait, I don't even wait, I don't even I don't even subscribe to the channel yet on my personal account. Now All I right. do, baby. First one. I need to, I need first to find one. it. Yeah, you're first. Damn What's it. What's up? Let's go. Damn it, dude. Let's go. I still can't even find it. Now I'm nervous for you, our You guys can be second. Watchers. If you listen to this, Connor's probably still sweating, panicking, can't no find the channel. No idea where it is. YouTube.com backslash at NFL Stock Exchange. Hit it up. Subscribe to it. We're going to be putting up all sorts of good video content. It's still going to be the same I schedule, guys. It's still going to be. It's, it's, it's the exact show that you know and love. Uh, we're going to be three days a week. It's going to be the same times a week um, at, for now, at least. 
And uh, it's just going to be on a new channel. Uh, it's going to be a cool way for us to give you guys more content, more in-depth stuff. Um, same main pods, but just a lot of a lot of new creativity, which we're really, really looking forward to. We hope that you guys can follow us over there. So many of you commented on the last video. You stuck around till the very end. You heard the announcement. And you said, hey, we're going to follow you no matter what. And uh, that was the, cool, by the way. I was like pleasantly surprised. I was like, damn, people will stay for the whole thing. I, from the bottom of our heart, love you guys. We are absolutely morons and didn't say it at the top of the pot. Oh, wait, wait. I just thought I could do this. Oh, I can't do it for the video, though. You know, like on the, the audio know, intro, the audio yeah. intro, I can mention it on the audio intro. Yep. So if you guys are listening to this podcast on audio only, please just log into YouTube, youtube.com backslash at NFL Stock Exchange and smash subscribe. Smash. Trigger so the dumb. notifications. <laughs> I'm going to get so five star annoyed. review. I'm going to get so annoying with that. Well, I mean, you can do that on iTunes too. I don't know if we've we, had a good five star review in a while. I haven't checked. We, we have to. We just have to do this because I, I mean, not to brag, but you go through some of our shows on PFF and they're, they have 40,000 views and I don't want to leave anybody behind. I know. I want to take them all. I want to put them all on my back and go, you're coming with us, buddy, guys and gals. How do we do this? How do we reach I'm, I'm genuinely sweating this. <laughs> I, I'm going to be nervous. Like every time we have a video, it's like, 31,000. I'm like, who who doesn't know about the new channel? <laughs> Someone doesn't. These are these are the things that keep me up at night. Well, t- tell your friends. That's what we need here. We that's what we need. We need you guys, the people, to spread the good word. YouTube.com black backslash at NFL Stock Exchange. It is the NFL Stock Exchange exclusive channel. We're gonna be have so much, we're gonna have so much great content for you guys starting on Monday. I think the Monday episode, we talked about it a little bit earlier today. It's going to be combine-centric, man. I think we're going to start getting people hyped up for the combine. The initial combine list came out. Yep. We're going to talk about who we're excited about from every position. We're going to talk about who got absolutely snubbed. Yep, yep. Bogus. In there. Bogus. I will go to the NFL offices in Manhattan and politely ask the clerk at the front desk, can you give Marte Mapu an invite to the NFL combine? And they'll be like, sir, please leave. You're you're insane. Please Security go away. Is already on the way. Well, Security we will, see, will escort you out. We will see you guys on the new channel, a new adventure that we are very excited about to go on. That we are very excited to go on with you all. I am Trevor Sikma. That is Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange. We'll see you guys on the new channel on Monday. <laughs>